0: Hello, everybody. Today I'm going to be talking about dog training tools, why I personally love them and think everybody should be using them. And I'm also going to be talking about why certain people hate them and think nobody should be using them. This is the No Bad Dogs Podcast. I am Tom Davis, the podcast where we love, live, and work with dogs. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm going to get right into it. So I wanted to to hop on the podcast. I made a little home studio here, and I wanted to talk about tools. And tools I've talked about before, it's it's something that I, I, I wouldn't say I'm passionate about. However, um, I advocate for tools because I, I think that they're an important part of of some dog training. Um, and in particular, the dog training that I do uh, works uh, a lot with behavioral issues and really problem, problem dogs, if you will, or dogs that have been through a lot of crap. And so... I wanted to just talk about it, and again, I want to just say thank you so much for you at home that's driving and listening to this podcast. Um, I literally like love that I get to do what I do, and every single time somebody downloads one of my podcasts or, or watches one of my videos... Um, it means a lot to me because it encourages me to continue to do what I do. And um, at the end of the day, I love doing what I do with dogs, but I also love helping people. So thank you guys so much, first and foremost. Uh, and moving forward, when when we talk about prongs, I'm going to get specific. I'm also going to talk pretty broad. Um, and this is going to be my opinion of what I've seen in the dog training world, what I've seen personally working with dogs. And... I want to start off by saying I want to talk about talk about the situation of tools and, and, and why they're being looked at wrong. And there's, like anything in, in life or anything in the world, you can use things wrong. And I know John from I Pity the Bull had been on my show before and we talked about uh, basically handing somebody a pen and asking for a signature and then they stab you with it. Well, of course, we're not going to look at the pen wrong, or we're not going to ban pens from the United States. We're going to probably arrest Sue and lock up that crazy person for doing so. So when we talk about dogs, there is a, a weird ideology that we, we put on them or cast on them, uh, mainly because they can't speak English like we can, which means you show up to a to a an officer shows up to a scene, and um, you know one person and three other people around are saying this is exactly what happened, and you know really clearly exactly what happened because you have multiple people telling you it's really clear lines of communication. And so when we talk about dogs and people th- saying things that are injustice and dogs are being uh, mistreated um, and equipment is is bad, I'm going to agree with half of that. One hundred percent, and my good friend Tyler Muto was on here as well, talking about tools and mistreatment. But this is going to go a little bit more in depth. A hundred percent, people are out there misusing tools, like for sure, hundred percent, hands down, no doubt. Just like people are, you know, being idiots with guns and things like that, uh, that that are being mis, mis-, mis-, mis- misinterpreted and or misused. Very clearly, um, and and I don't even want to go down the road of guns because it's a way bigger subject. But really, the 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 problem with tools and dog training is again people seeing horror stories or thinking horror stories and thinking that 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 everyone who uses tools does them improperly. And I'm here to tell you right now, I train dogs Monday through Sunday. 10 to 12 hours a day. I've been doing it for the last nine years every single day. I personally only want, want, I, sorry, I only want what's best for the dog. 100%. I love dogs more than the next person. You know, I'm a dog lover, I'm a dog owner before anybody. And I think it's really important for people to understand that when people use tools, it should be for the benefit of the dog. Tools shouldn't be the benefit of um, maybe taking advantage of the dog because they can't take tools off. Um, tools should really only be to benefit the dog at the end of the day. And what that means is is let's talk about a, a big dog. So we're talking giant schnauzers, uh, Newfoundlands, Roddies, Dobermans, German Shepherds, St. Bernard's. Um, just giant breeds, even like some really big European um English labs, like they get a hundred pounds and they're a hundred percent muscle. So I want to put into perspective and I want you guys to paint a picture here for me and I hope that this podcast reaches as many people as possible so we can work actively together to get rid of the people who are misusing tools and understand, you don't have to agree with tools, but understand why um, people who are using tools properly should continue to use them because they play a huge role in dog training. And so I want to talk about the big dog again. So go back and think about that big, big dog that we have at home. And I want you guys to think about going on vacation and going somewhere with your family or a significant other or yourself or business. But you're going away and you need somebody to watch your dog. Well, here's the thing is let's say your dog is super, super excited to see people and other dogs. And you have 150 giant breed dog or even a, a pretty big dog with a small person. And you need to you need to ask your sister or your younger brother or your mother or the dog walker that's 90 pounds soaking wet to watch your dog. And your dog sees other people and pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls. Here's the kicker here. Can you train a dog to not pull on a leash without using tools? Yes. Okay, sink that in. Definitely. Now, you, as a as a dog person that had trained that dog to walk nicely on a leash for you, out of a lot of time and a lot of patience, can do so, and I applaud you for that, Mazeltov. Moving forward, what about the dog walker, your grandma, your your anybody that comes over to walk your your giant breed that is really out of control? That you can spend a half an hour to calm down, five minutes to calm down, use specific treats to get the dog to maneuver, use a head halter to maneuver the dog, but your dog actively doesn't doesn't respond to verbal markers or verbal cues in in an appropriate manner, which means I want to talk about psychology for one second. And I'm going to go probably down a rabbit hole here, but that's okay. That's what podcasts are about. You're probably on a long drive. So when we talk about psychology, imagine getting scolded by somebody for doing something. You can always remember the person who yelled at you really, really bad when you were in second grade or that one time your dad yelled at you or your mom or whatever. You always remember that scold. You never remember you know, the really delicious banana split you had when you were two or three or four or five or five years ago, you're always going to remember those those times of when you got in trouble because it actually was impactful to you and it, it, it actually meant something to you and you learned from it, which is great. But when I train a dog to walk nicely on a leash, I want to say, let's say a verbal marker like heel or with me or however your training style is, it doesn't really matter. Um, and that dog is afraid, and or knows, oops, I've made a mistake if I've done this, and will back up after you say a certain marker, like, "Uh uh-uh, no, uh, heal with me, etc. So the consequence is what stops the dog to continue to do the bad behavior, or continue to move forward, or pull, or lunge, or bark, etc. And again, you can you can correct the dog or you can you can give the dog some sort of discipline without tools. However, it takes a lot of time and patience and a skilled dog handler to do so on an everyday basis. So what I like to do when we're talking about uh, bigger dogs is I like to just train them. Uh, I'll talk about equipment later, but I'd like to just train them with just a marker, which means if they walk past my leg and I say, uh-uh, that dog has to stop. If they don't, they get leash pressure. Now, with that leash pressure, it could be a Martingale, it could be a slip collar, it could be use a it could be a prong collar, it could be a head halty, whatever it may be. But I want the dog to know that there's a consequence or a correction for walking past my leg or walking past my my body or whatever, whatever your heel is. And the consequence is the leash pressure, and whatever tool is associated with the leash pressure is strictly up to you and the dog. That's not my. That's not my um, focus currently. And so the dog knows that they've done something wrong. That's the moral of the story. Now, you're going to Vegas for a bachelorette or a bachelor party, and you're. Um, 65 year old mother came over that's retired to watch the dogs or you brought them over to their house and you needed to bring your mom wanted to bring the dogs for a walk. Now if you ask yourself will my dog respond to my mom when they say heal or with me or something because they know at one point in time they have gotten a correction or they have gotten punished for these types of behaviors like pulling and things like that. So I want to talk about verbal transfers, which, which to me means, uh, and when we talk about dog training too, uh, there is a lot of scientific things that go into it and there's a lot of technical things that go into it as well. But, um, a lot of times dog training is very, uh, you uni- know, I shouldn't say universal, but it, it's dog training is, is it, you can use kind of what words that fits you best, um, uh, much like cooking. Like sometimes people put Garlic and Alfredo, and sometimes they don't. But at the end of the day, it comes out beautiful. It's a beautiful dish. So moving forward. So when we when I talk about verbal transfers, when I say "heal" to the dog, I want them to heal. If I stop, I want them to look at me and say, "Okay, I'm stopping with you," because they they want to escape a correction that I I have may given them once, you know, out of out of the two or three weeks I've been working with them, but they understood the correction because I did it properly. Um. So moving forward, if if my mom or my, my dog walker can say that, say that, um, that verbal marker or that verbal cue to the dog to get them to regress out of the bad position or out of the pulling position, that's ultimately what I want. And so my, my point is, sorry if that was a little in depth, but my point is, is I want my dogs to understand that they have to do the things that we ask them as dog handlers, whether it's me or the the guy next door, because of repercussion of non-compliance. Which means if they don't do it, they get a correction. And corrections we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, and and that's how I want my dog to respond to, to what I do. If, if, if I ask the dog to do something and they don't, they get pressure, they get a correction. Because ultimately, I can tell you 100% out of all the dogs I've worked, that's what the majority of dogs will understand and comprehend the most. Meaning, um, when we talk about uh, discipline with kids, um, let's think about it. If your child were to do a bunch of different things um, that were really bad, like um, could not go to school ever, or kick the principal, or spit on you, or... You know, throw an ice ball at somebody's face, make them bleed, and go to the hospital. So you're going to react with a repercussion or a consequence for those actions. Why? Well, the answer is very simple, because you do not want them to do that again. It's very simple. And when we talk about child psychology, very rarely do I ask the question to people, and I say, if your child were to run up and spit on a stranger and throw a rock at their face... Would you ignore that behavior, or would you have some sort of repercussion or consequence so they don't ever want to do it again? Chances are you're going to say, I definitely don't want them to ever do that again. So now take that into consideration when you're working with dogs. And and I think the answer is always going to be with people for the 99% of people out there who think the way that we all think is, I'm not going to ignore that. I mean, my child runs across the highway. I'm not going to turn my back and ignore that. Why? Because your child could die. I mean, that's dark as hell, and I don't like talking about it, of course. Or your child could get hurt. Or there could be a car accident for the least amount of worries. But the point is, is you know, things can really happen badly to the, to the things that we love if we don't teach them and the way that the mind works, and the way that psychology works, especially with me and especially the dogs that I work with on every single day basis, is I don't want to do something because I don't want to get a correction. When dogs live in the moment and they see a ball across the street or a child sees a ball across the street, they believe that they should walk across the street and get the ball. But you, as the owner or the person responsible for that person or that dog, have to tell them otherwise. And they're going to kick and they're going to scream and they're going to yelp and they're going to cry and they're not going to like it. But the point is, is you have a responsibility as the person in charge of that being to not make that mistake to say, look, ask, ask for permission before you do that. Why? Because I don't want you to die. That's what we're talking about here. And when I work with dogs, what happens is the ideology of people and dogs get intertwined. And I had a great idea. Um, you know, uh, we were filming with uh, Tyler Muto out in Buffalo doing some cool stuff. And, you know, he readily said it great to me. Uh, one, one segment that we were shooting uh, some film stuff. He said, you know, cause I always tell people we humanize them and, and it's BS and they shouldn't be doing it. And then he kind of said, well, I think people should be actually humanizing more. Because if we, if we actually treated our dogs just like we treat our humans, then we would have no problem correcting or understanding the psychology behind um, discipline and stuff with dogs, and that really kind of set in with me. So kudos to Tyler for breaking it down that way because I usually you know, bitch and complain about people humanizing their dogs because they, they typically would treat them like babies when really, actually, if they did treat them like humans, then they would take it seriously when their dog wanted to run all over the road. So moving forward... Um, when we talk about those types of corrections, all of that makes sense to us, right? Like you listening, there's no way, I don't care what kind of trainer you are, excuse me, or how much you love dogs. There's no way you're thinking in the back of your mind that your dog should be able to do anything that they want, or your dog should be able to, to explore and make decisions and do everything that they want at all times. And if you are that type of person, that's totally fine. I appreciate that. I respect that. But for the people out there who understand what I'm talking about, even if you're purely positive reinforcement trainer, I, I welcome you to understand some of the concepts that I'm speaking about, and I respect any feedback or, or, or anything going forward here. Um, and so that's the whole psychology part about like why I think it's important to really don't underestimate the idea of a puppy or a dog that's out of control making decisions because we would never do that with our children and we would never think about let's let's take into into another perspective here i want to go back to the big dog sorry that took me off track i want to go back to the big dog so we have a hundred pound massive dog and again if you just left some commands that said, hey, here's your e-collar, here's your prong collar, it's already fit, it's already ready to go, it's already set up. If, if my dog pulls or lunges, say heel, hit this button. Say heel and pull here. I would feel very comfortable or I would feel more comfortable giving somebody who isn't a professional dog handler, who hasn't trained the dog and worked with the dog over and over and over again some tools because they don't know how to handle your dog even if they are a dog walker they don't know how to do it because it's not their dog and it may be a, a dog that deals with things that you've never seen before on the other side it could be a dog that's heavily aggressive then what what are you going to do you're going to you, you don't want to you can't bring your dogs to a kennel because they shut down and they don't eat and they get super stressed while you're gone but you have to go to your buddy's bachelor bachelor party or you have to take that trip for work. What are you gonna do? Just tell tell the dog walker to just walk around outside to go to the bathroom and then back in because you're afraid of using tools to your dog, or you're afraid of using certain things to help you. Um, and so that's that's moving forward. That's my thing. Is I as a dog owner first, I knew that I can handle my dogs at 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 any part of the situation of any part of life. But when I had to go away and. I wanted somebody to watch my dogs. I didn't feel comfortable having people walk, walk my 150-pound dog because what if he was overly friendly and went and went after another dog to say hi and we dropped the leash or we got dragged. Now I have my mom or my dog walker hurt and then I have my dog chewed up and I have hospital bills and hopefully my dog makes it out of the fight and things like that. So I have no problem using some sort of correction or some sort of consequence to my dog, for my dog, with my dog, but more importantly for my dog, I am correcting my dog for my dog's sake, period. It's not an ego thing. It's not, I'm big and I'm bad. And I'm going to tell my dog what they can and can't do. I personally believe that if you can, if you can work with a dog with tools, humanely, correctly, and properly, you are simply using the tools to benefit the dog's life. And you are simply using the tool For the dog's benefit, 100%. If you're using tools otherwise, you're using them wrong, and I curse you for doing so. So if you hear me take these breaks, um, I'm also recording for YouTube, so uh, you can see what I'm doing, but I'm taking a sip of coffee. So... Anyway, I'm kind of having a conversation with myself, and I I hope that this is resonating with some of you out there, and I hope that this is bringing up some good points. And my goal for any dog trainer out there to listen is for you guys to use this information as ammunition moving forward to help your clients uh, understand why we do things because – As advocates of tools, we have to make sure that these people are using these things right. And these people are using these things the right way and the proper way. And then when they go out, they're not getting shunned by society for using these spiky, shocky collars on people because that's not what we're doing. And that's my goal today with this podcast is to help other dog trainers understand this, but also help uh, dog owners understand the process. I've had – if I get one email or one direct message on social media of somebody saying, that podcast you did on tools – save my dog's life or that podcast on tools, um, you know, helped me you know, move over the idea of wanting to not use tools on my dogs, then I'd be happy. So moving forward. Um, so we use these tools to help our dogs because sometimes dogs are, are too powerful for their handler. And we have two options, again, during that time. Even if it's not somebody watching your dog when you're on vacation. If you go out and get a dog as a puppy and they grow up to be a gigantic Eastern line European German shepherd, that's super, super powerful. And your idea is I got to train my dog to, to, to walk calmly and to do this, but I don't want to use any tools, any adversives. That's totally fine. That's up to you. That's your that's your deal. But when, when we, when we use other things, so when we talk about, I'm going to get into just a little bit of purely positive And, um, when we use avoidance and we use treats and, and food and, and positive reinforcement, which by the way, I 100% do that almost 95% of my career. When I work with dogs, it's 95% positive. I don't call myself purely positive because I'm not purely positive because I think that that's killing dogs. Period. I 95% of the time don't use pressure or tools because I'm actually trying to manipulate the dog to do the things that I want them to do without pressure because that's what makes a good dog trainer in my opinion. So moving forward, when we talk about purely positive, they they will not use or you won't use if it's if it's you out there. Hello? You won't use um, corrections, adversives, anything to correct the dog, if they've done something wrong. So even for the, those of you out there who don't know what it is, just in general, that's what a purely positive reinforcement trainer will do, or a company will do. So no corrections, no punishment, no discipline, uh, nothing. It's just it's it's essentially uh, avoidance training. Um, there could be a form of punishment through. Um, avoidance or a form of punishment through, uh, ignoring, but there's no physical punishment is my, is my, uh, m- my goal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so sometimes, um, and, and, and I first want to say that there are very successful, um, purely positive reinforcement training, but there's also a lot of dogs that can't go through those programs because they don't need that. And if you think that a a one-way street is the only way to work with an ant, like forget a domesticated dog, forget a canine, an animal, you're in the wrong industry. But moving forward, I've worked with purely positive reinforcement trainers that are severely like religiously like obsessed with purely positive, but they also give me the benefit of the doubt of – knowing that certain dogs need certain things like tools and things like that. So those are the type of people I really like working with where I can sit down and have a conversation and they go, you know, I've done this, I've done that. I can learn a lot of free free shaping, um, obedience, um, advice and techniques from purely positive reinforcement trainers. They're there. Some of them are really skilled in that aspect. However, the issue I have with with some of the, the trainers out there that will not use adversives or tools don't believe that any dog should be doing this. And I mean, if you if you out there think that every kid learns the same and they all need to go down the same test with the same rules and the same this and the same that, that's like what you're saying with dogs. Of course, your mind's blowing up right now and you're going, that is complete BS. Of course it is. It's not fair. So then why do we do it? Let me answer that question. We do that type of thing for a couple of different reasons. I'll give you a couple of big ones. Marketing is one. So if we, if we market ourselves as a natural dog trainer or a purely positive reinforcement trainer, it looks really nice. It looks really nice to the people who just got a puppy who've never had a dog before and don't understand what dogs do. They don't understand that dogs bite each other every single day. They don't understand that dogs eat their own poop. They don't understand that a dog will kill another dog if they're aggressive enough. They don't understand these things. So they get half of the market off of marketing association. So that's one of the biggest things. The second thing is is it's one of the it's one of those things that I I personally believe um Every, first of all, every puppy and every dog should start getting into is force-free um, dog training. Um, as far as the pet owners, I'm talking about pet owners, so working dogs out there, uh, thats I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about a pet owner. It's great. I mean, some of the best dog training is, is force-free. That's what we should be doing with dogs. But my goal isn't to talk about force-free and, and competitive agility, My, I'm talking about behavior and I'm talking about the 150-pound dog that you as a dog handler can walk around a room with a hundred other dogs and the dog won't take his eyes off you because you've worked with that dog for two years. I'm not talking, I'm talking about what if your grandma needs to walk that dog? Is he going to be afraid of a correction or is he going to be, is he going to think in his head, uh-oh, shouldn't do that? That's what I'm talking about. So you can't come at people like myself who, who work with dogs professionally and use tools and say, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do, you couldn't, I've had people tell me I couldn't um, train without equipment when I 150,000 bazillion times percent can and have and do and have footage of it everywhere. Why I use tools the most is for helping dog owners and the, amount of time I have with the dogs that are going to die if I don't fix them quicker. But I'm going to go back to purely positive reinforcement really quick. So one of like I said before, one of the big things is marketing. And then this the second big thing I think with that is is we love dogs. I freaking love dogs as well. I will cry if I see one of those sappy little posts on Facebook about a dog doing, you know, getting abandoned or abused. I love dogs more than you at home, people, okay? If not Let's call each other even. Okay. I, I wake up every single day and I go in and I work with dogs because I love them. I don't care if I get paid. I don't care if I, I don't care about anything. I know that I have, a, I have an ability within me that I was born with that kept coming back and back and back when I was a very young age. And I'm doing what I think I should be doing on earth. And I'm telling you personally, the, one of the big things about the purely positive world is when you start working with dogs, you exactly want to want to do the right thing And so purely positive sounds really great, doesn't it? Does't it's the same thing with marketing. Go in your go in your refrigerator right now, go in your cupboard right now, go to the grocery store right now and look at all the shiny marketing that Pepsi puts out of. A hundred percent pure cane soda, no, n- no artificial flavoring, no artificial sugars, but it's still sugar, right? Or go and look at all the non-GMO or organic or whatever. It's, it's, it's all flashy to us. It's just like the pet food industry. Why do they put little steaks and chickens on the bag? Because they're marketing to humans. They're not marketing to the damn dog. And people need to get over the fact of, I want to do purely positive because it sounds good and I don't want to, I, let's, again, let's break this down. I don't want to do that to my dog. I don't want to correct my dog. I don't want to hurt my dog. I don't want to have pain for my dog. Blah, blah, of course, neither do I. What psychopath would? If that's, if that's your goal, get out of dog training. My point is, is... Marketing companies and businesses, especially chain businesses and things like that, are marketing to people. They're not marketing to the dogs, which tells you what? What does it tell you? When you have a bag of food that sits in your cupboard, that's $9.99, that you can buy at the gas station, that has litter, literally filet mignon on the front, and corn, and peas, and, and it's dancing around, and it's fun. you got a happy dog. Who are they marketing to? Their benefits aren't to your dog. Their benefits are for their pockets, and they're marketing to you. And so that's one of the other things with the purely positive thing. That's why uh, Victoria Stillwell did did so well. I don't know enough about her. I didn't watch about her, so I'm not going to say anything about her. But I do know that the show had a lot of uh, feedback both ways um, because people are one side or the other. And I and I, and my goal in life currently <laughs> is to try and 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 merge the two. I get it. I'm, I'm agreeing with everybody out there that, that says dog training or dog tools can be bad because they can. They aren't bad, but they can be bad. But the reason why we have such big problems is because there's not a lot of regulation and there's a lot of people who don't know what they're doing using these tools. So I want to walk you down a quick path mentally again. Let's say there was absolutely no regulation for buying cars and there was no regulation for a license and there was no regulation for insurance and there was no age or anything. Do you know how much chaotic stuff would be going on if that happened? Because there's no regulation, right? But we have, you have to have a license, you have to have a permit, you have to train under, you have to basically train under somebody for the first six months and then you have to take a test and then you have to take a written test and then you have to pay and then you have to go to the DMV and blah, 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 blah. So it's a little uh, side note, but the, the, the fact of the matter is, is even if there is regulation, there's still people out there doing it wrong. And even if 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 buying guns illegally is a federal offense and nobody should be doing it morally, people still do it. And when we talk about dog training, there's no regulation at all it's just you can order do- you can order e collars you can order prong collars and i'm telling you right now people you can do it wrong you can buy the wrong equipment you can correct the dog poorly you can c- i'm telling you i am agreeing with those people out there talking crap about about tools to the people who are using them wrong what i want to do is i want to work with the people who slightly have an understanding of they train a certain way but they don't use tools but they understand it's necessary for certain dogs because you don't want them to die. I want to work with you. I want to I want to I want to join the forces together and fight the people who are using these tools that we use every day correctly that are using them improperly. Th- that's what I want to do. So I think if we if we work together and we, we came together as, as, a, as a community of dog owners and dog lovers and professional dog trainers, and we actively worked against the people who are using them or misusing this, these tools, we would be okay. We mm-hmm. would be in a better place, I should say. But, you know, we don't. Why? Because it's politics, and that's the human. We say you, 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 you shadow under somebody who is completely against one thing, and then you see somebody use it on social media, and you, you shame them, and you blast them. And I'm like, okay, well, that dog's going to die. And some people will say, I don't care. I'd rather that dog die than you use that collar. And so then at what point do we have to sit down and have a conversation and say, are you in it for what? Are you in it to argue with people or are you in it for dogs? And that's, that's me. That's why I started using tools. You're talking, you're, you're talking to a guy that, like I said, love dogs more than anybody. And I've, I've rolled around and wrestled and been bit and worked with coyotes and worked with wolves and worked with wolf puppies and hybrids. I've worked with behaviorists. I've worked with canine officers. I, I've been a, an animal control officer myself. I've been to court. I've seen a lot of shit. And the reason I use tools is to help dogs. So let that sink in for a little bit. I didn't choose the route of purely anything because I know that the puppy that comes to me that's pulling on the leash that – nibbles on people I can do purely positive reinforcement training and be very successful with it but the six month old dog that comes in that is maliciously trying to bite everybody because they have no structure I need to use tools with I should use tools with so moving forward I hope I still have your attention um, we're about thirty five minutes in and and I want to talk about um, you know when we, when we talk about animals in general we use so much to control these animals to help them do things when we talk about Horse equipment. We, we don't bat an eye when we put head halters and equipment on horses to get them to go into position. Well, that's different. That's a horse. They can, they can what? They can drag you down the road. They can cause an accident. They can kill somebody. So can dogs. Right? And, and so we use tools on a daily basis to get things done faster, more effective, and more efficient. I'm going to go to California tomorrow. I'm going to walk or am I going to fly? Well, that's an easy question. I'm going to fly. Why? Because it's going to get me there faster. But I'm not going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to book with an appropriate airline that I trust that has rules and regulations that says X, Y, and Z, and they charge this much. And you're going to pay that and you're going to get there safely. That's how it works. It's very simple. I have to take apart a vehicle. Well, I'm going to use a screwdriver. No power tools. Okay? Could you do it? Sure. Is it going to take you six months? Probably. Right? I mean, it, it's, it's a no-brainer. So moving forward, um, when we talk about equipment, guys, I'm going to talk about a prong collar and an e-collar really quick. prong collar to me is training wheels when you're learning how to ride a bike. And it's bumpers when you're tr- trying to learn how to bowl. Okay, it's it's these little things. It's 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 kind of like that little game you used to play operation where if you touch the side, it would make a noise. And you're kind of just like, nope, bad, nope, bad, nope, bad. That's pretty much what a prong collar does to me is I sculpt and I mold behaviors so efficiently and so effectively by using a tiny little prong collar. And I teach the dog what I want and what I don't want very, very quickly, very quickly right? But I want to talk about the mental state of mind. I want to talk about the actual behavior of the dog during the process of using tools, specifically the e-collar. And so let's say I was walking a dog and I stopped and the dog kept going and I had a little prong collar on. And now this prong collar is sized properly, which means it's up tight right behind the ears, sitting on muscle, not tissue, sitting directly on muscle muscle. It's not hanging down on the on the larynx or the trachea. I can't put this prong collar over the dog's head, as you shouldn't be able to. It's, it's fit properly. This prong collar is a Herm Springer imported from Germany that has really rounded, rounded prongs that aren't square, that aren't imported from somewhere in Asia that just puts out equipment for no reason that could potentially hurt the dog. This is a piece of equipment that has well-rounded prongs that is used to manipulate the dog's behavior in a very safe and humane way. And when I walk forward and I stop, the dog stops with me and does not get anything. I may even give the dog a reward, a piece of food, some, some verbal rewards, good boy, good girl. And then I proceed. The only time I give the dog pressure or a correction is if the dog walks past me and knows that they shouldn't. And I say, uh-uh, and I give a pop with the prong collar. The dog looks at me. I look at him. I move forward. I stop, uh-uh, and the dog slides backwards. Why? Because they learn something, right? So very quickly, I taught the dog that if I say, uh-uh, and they walk past me, they get pressure. So the dog is actually turning the pressure on and off, him or herself. I really don't have a lot to do with it. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So moving forward... I teach the dog through verbiage that if they don't comply, they get a correction or a simple pop from the collar. This collar is not going to cut. This collar is not going to dig. This collar is not going to make the dog have a seizure. This collar is is applying pressure all the way around the neck in one motion. And it's not sharp. It doesn't cut into the skin. It's not to, it's not razors. It's simply just giving the dog pressure if they walk past me. Why? Because I know that this dog is going to be 150 pounds, and I know that I'm going to have to go on a bachelor party at some point with one of my buddies, and I want my mom that's 65 years old to be able to walk this dog without any issues. Because why? Because they're afraid of getting corrected, not because they're hungry and they want food and and, and these types of things because that's not going to work for this particular dog. Because if that dog does not listen – my dog could die. Your choice. It's a no-brainer to me. So moving forward, I want to talk about the e-collar. The e-collar is something that I use on a regular basis. Is it a shock collar? Absolutely not. Could it be? If you're an idiot, right? If I get into my truck and drive to work, I could also get into my 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 death bullet and drive into another car. Do I? Absolutely not. Why would I? That's crazy. And why would I? Why would I? Why would I? Why would I? Why would I put an e-collar on a dog before they know anything about it turn it up and correct it i can make him squeal like are you a psychopath like people like that should not have dogs in their hands people like that should not even be working with dogs this isn't about that 10 years ago 15 years ago that's all they had was aversive quote-unquote shock collars and that's all they did was correct that's all their intentions were if they did something bad wham they dog i don't use that I never have. Why would I? I don't need to. I believe I have a skill set that can teach the dog behaviors through low stimulation. The stimulation, people out there listening, the stimulation that I use on my e-collars, I can bet you $100 when I'm conditioning a dog, even you, purely positive, when I'm conditioning a dog... I will take off and bet you a $100 bill to anybody that walks into my facility or comes out to one of my seminars, I can put it right to your face, and I bet you $100 that you can't feel it, period. Make it 200 because I'm confident that the collars that that I'm using for for e-collar training is not an aversive, it's not a correction, it doesn't hurt the dog. Can it? Sure, we've talked about that. Right, So can, the pen can be a, 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 a stabbing device too, but it's not. It's, it's intended to actually write stuff. The e collar is actually intended to communicate to the dog off-leash. We've progressed so much with technology over the last, I don't know, every year. Why should our dogs be stuck in the past? Why should our dogs not benefit from the technology advancements that we've had. I mean, we we don't dial. I remember my grandma had a phone where it would ring and you have to pick it up off off the wall. You have to go and pick it up and it was on the wall. And then if you missed the call, you don't know who it was. And to dial back, you'd have to like spin these little things and metal like crazy stuff. And we've advanced so much. And so when you're stuck using the leash as your landline, but you're too scared or you're unwilling to advance your dog to a wireless piece of equipment, it's your loss. I'm telling you right now, shake your head and say e-collars are the worst and they hurt dogs and how dare you, you son of a you-know-what. I'm telling you right now, if you're not training dogs with e-collars, you are, you are lacking your ability to be a fantastic, great dog trainer. If you use them wrong, then you're a piece of crap, Period. That goes with any tool that we use. And I think it's 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 the difference between putting fuel in your car or not. You're either gonna put fuel in your car and go forward, or you're just gonna sit there and you're just gonna like just bang on your engine. Like you shouldn't be using tools as complete aversives to to feel a certain way about yourself. And going back to talking about the psychology behind it is is I would rather correct my dog once for a micro of a second to make sure that they didn't walk past me or to make sure when I say down stay or down that they didn't get up. I'd rather do that once or twice in their life or within a six-month time period and then maybe again in six months. I'd rather do that little correction once. When we talk about adding pressure or consequences to dogs, it's an ideology of like why we shouldn't do that. People are like, I love my dog. I rescued them. They've been through so much. If you love your dog, train your dog, Period all there is to it if you really love and cared about your dog and and you buy them louis vuitton stuff and you bring them on private jets and shit train them and correct them when they do something wrong because that's the way that they're going to to, to actually listen to you and or respect you depending on what dog now for anybody out there that just heard that no it's not the only way chill out i'm gonna get there but moving forward we have no problem like our kids are like eight to 14 15 years old and we slap braces on them why oh well yeah let me tell you something about braces braces hurt bad bad anybody out there have braces know what i'm talking about i did i mean let's talk about it i mean talk about braces how bad they hurt getting them twisted and cranked and going the orthodontist and like that shit hurts bad and these kids are 10 years old 11 12 13 they have no choice Their parents are doing it, and they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars to do it. Why? Because after it's all said and done, you're going to get the equation, or you're going to get a final product that is going to be beautiful. That's why. But we don't don't go around chasing orthodontists and tell them how much of a shitty person they are for hurting kids. We congratulate them and pay them $150,000 a year for doing it. So my point is, is if you're willing to do things like that to punish your kids because they wanted to run across the road or they wanted to do this, they wanted to do that, why aren't you willing to, to give your dog a little bit of pressure? And I think the answer is simple, and this is why I do what I do, is because people don't know how. All of my – I'm telling you right now, let me, let me just put it in perspective. I've had two people. One person didn't sign up for my classes. The other person did and then got over it. But I've had two people out of my professional dog career that have, have had given me um, a little bit of apprehension towards using tools because they trusted me and they knew that everybody that I've worked with had come out beautifully because of the tools that I've used or the tools that we have used prior to create the dog that I wanted. Two. So I know people out there, the purely positive people are rolling in their, rolling in their cars right now like, holy shit, you know, how many dogs is this guy ruining? None. Okay. None. I'm helping dogs because I'm teaching them wrong from right. Okay. And side note in the, in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to talk about why you shouldn't use tools. And I'm going to talk about when you shouldn't use tools. So I'm getting there, but I wanted to put in perspective about the psychology that we deal with. Like we, we feed our kids and our dogs McDonald's every night. And processed food and all these dyes and just BS, like disgusting stuff. Like we literally kill them with kindness. Like, yeah, sure. You can have a soda. Do you know how much, you know how much sugars in a soda? Like, okay guys, a soda one or once or twice. I'm not talking that I'm talking like your kids literally sitting at home, eating cheese doodles, popping down a 12 pack of Dr. Pepper every day and not doing a goddamn thing with their life. Like, and that's all up to you. Like that kid's 12 years old. Right? So When we talk about dog psychology, we love them just as much, and now science is saying that we actually have a different relationship and a different form of love for our dogs than our children or our spouse. So that tells you a lot. So we may love them even more, but yet we won't correct them when they're wrong. And when they're wrong, they could run across the road. Okay, perspective, ready? My dog sees a ball across the road. My dog sees a squirrel across the road. They're getting ready to run. If your dog hears your voice, when you say leave it or come, and they don't think back in their registry of like, oh my gosh, at one point I got corrected for this, or I got in trouble for this, I would say there's a really good chance of them running after that and then coming back and saying, oh yeah, what did you want? Why? Because why do we, why do we slow down when we see cops? Why do we slow down when we see school zones? Why? 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 Think about it because we're afraid of getting some sort of correction or we're afraid of getting some sort of punishment. and and But ultimately, guys, let's think about it. We didn't get afraid of like we see the cop, we slow down, right? Or we see the stop sign, we slow down or, or whatever. What did it actually do? What did that actually do? It actually slowed you down. Like, they're enforcing the things that they want you to actually do. These streets, these, the, the, the cops, the officers, um, the street signs, the red lights, the stoplights, the flashing light that says you're going too fast, you're an idiot, slow down. Like, that mentally goes through our brain, and we slow down. Like, it actually fixes us. Why? Because there's a correction if we don't. Period. It's just the way we live our lives. We live our lives as humans every single day through consequence every day every day. But for some reason, we don't want to do it to dogs. And so again, why don't we? Because there's a million people out there doing it wrong, but there's 30 million people doing it right. And I urge you out there, if you're having issues with your dog and you're struggling, and I can't tell you how many times people have come into my, my facility and have said, you know, we've tried three different trainers. All of them have been a certain way and they won't change their ways. The dogs are, dogs are dying because of that. Shelters are at their capacity because people are uneducated about how the canine brain works, how, how it actually evolved, right, through things. Um, dogs correct, I'm telling you, dogs correct each other every single day, every day. Watch a pack of dogs work with each other. If you're afraid of correcting dogs, you'll puke. They bite each other. They flip each other over. They make each other bleed because they're playing. They're communicating. That's how they communicate people. Like I'm telling you, I've studied this stuff. So anyway, moving forward, um, don't be afraid of this type of stuff, but you got to find the right trainer that will help you because if you go to a bad trainer and they use equipment, it's going to be really bad, really, really, really bad. Do your research. Make sure the person knows what they're doing. And again, for anybody out there that – Um, is starting to kind of agree with me that didn't. I respect you and I appreciate you either way, but I want to work with you. I agree. Tools can be vicious to dogs because people are uneducated and and they don't know how to do what they want to do. And I want to talk about one more thing before we get into the why they're bad. The way that I work with tools and why I work with tools predominantly is because I don't have a lot of time or I don't have enough time to get the dog to do the things that I want as fast as the owner wants me to. Let me put it into perspective. We we sign up anywhere from three to four dogs Monday through Saturday. And they pick out a package, and they go through our training program. And I train, you know, between my trainers and myself with our board and train, I'll train six to seven dogs every day. Some of them new, some of them not. Um, And I don't have a lot of time. And more importantly, the thing I want you guys to understand is not only do I not have a lot of time to get the behaviors that I, I need out of the dog, two things is those people who are sitting there watching me train aren't professional dog handlers. That's why they're they're there. So not only do they not know what they're doing, because they're an accountant or they're they're Steve the the car salesman, but they don't know how to handle And they certainly, through time, within five to six weeks, aren't going to be able to handle without some sort of assistance. And I'm not talking about food, and I'm not talking about harnesses. I'm talking about, okay, I understand that my dog barking and biting all of my guests is bad. How do I fix it? Well, I could give you the six-month route of force-free, purely positive uh, and then maybe it'll work if you do it a hundred percent properly and you train every single day, or we can just correct the dog when they're bad. And, uh, typically with, with reasonable, typical results, um, if you do this for the next two weeks, you shouldn't see it anymore at all. Right? So like that's, that's, cause here's the thing is you gotta look, you gotta think about it in my mind and all my trainers out there, you do the same thing is you're thinking about the dog and you're like man if I don't get, I can see how frustrated the kids are I can see how frustrated mom is I can see dad rolling rolling around because of all the all the money he spent the reality is is if I don't get the dog to stop doing what the dog's doing quick the dog's going to die the dog's going to go to a shelter that dog that lives in a beautiful home and sleeps on the bed that has issues with going after people in the house because they don't know what else to do and they have no structure and nobody's telling them that they can't is going to go into a shelter and within six months going to die if I don't stop it right now. Right now. That's that's what I do. Okay, We don't do traditional dog training where we have some issues, I want to blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about people are on their last stretch here. People are really struggling. People are really frustrated. If I don't fix it and show them the light at the end of the tunnel as quick as I do, the dog could die. I don't want that. You don't want that. The dog certainly doesn't want that. So people, we need to wake up a little bit. We need to really realize that it's our responsibility to take control and take charge. And again, we don't. Why? Because our idea, it's not about you. It's not about what you like. It's about the dog. You brought an animal into your life. You brought an animal into your house, your lifestyle, right? Like, you you can't decide, like, I don't like that. Like, okay, if you're vegan and your kid, your kid on a vegan diet will die because of their, their body won't react to it like yours does. What are you going to do? Ah, yeah. Okay. I guess I should. Yeah, of course you should. Like, it doesn't matter what you think and what, what you want. Sometimes it's about like what really works for the dog right then, there, and now. And we owe it to our dogs to listen to that a little bit. So moving forward, I, I want to I wanna talk about why we shouldn't use prong collars and e-collars and why we shouldn't use tools. It's very simple. And again, for those of you out there who hate tools, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say everything you want me to say now, um, is they can ruin a dog. There are certain dogs you should not use equipment with. There's certain dogs that can react and get worse with equipment. There's certain dogs that can hurt other people when using equipment improperly. There's certain dogs that can shut down and never be the same again because of because of of tools. There's certain dogs that can run away from home when you use certain tools improperly. Notice what I'm saying at the end of every sentence, guys. Improper. Improper use can always lead to self-destruction. Improper use can always hurt something. Okay, let's talk about alcohol. Why is it illegal? Because everyone makes money off of it. And realistically, I would say more than 50 to 60% of people misuse alcohol. Why? Because they can. <clears throat> Meaning, could you go out and have two beers and go home and be completely okay? Sure you can. But it's that third and fourth and fifth and maybe even sixth beer that you feel like crap the next day. You spent $65. You had to drive home. You had to pay for an Uber, whatever it is. But if you misuse things, then you can expect things to not go properly, period. So <clears throat> I wanna talk about. So, if anybody out there is like, okay, when should we not use tools? And for those of you who, you know, are been down this road many times, this, you know, you, you may learn something you may not, but um, I'll never use a tool on a dog that is super, super fearful, super afraid, unworthy of like living so they think and they're shutting down, and they're nervous, like, <clears throat> and that's where that's where I think the, the people come in who don't use tools think that I'm doing. When I have an e-collar on a dog, when I have a prong collar on the dog, out of an hour session, as an adversive, I will use the e-collar maybe once, probably never as an adversive, which means I'm not going to use it as a correction. In an hour session, with a prong collar, I may use it four or five times, and it's a microsecond, like, boom, done. Like spray water in the air and it's done. And I taught the dog something, right? So when we have these tools on, they're just on. Why are they on? Well, because I I want to make sure that if I need them, I'm good. And if I need them, that means the dog's not going to go after another dog. The dog's not going to bite somebody. The dog's not going to kill another dog. The dog's not going to kill a kid. The kid's not going to get bit. The, you know, the mayor's not, whatever. These tools that I use are simply what if factors. To be honest, at this point in my life, and this point in my career, I'm only using tool for the general public because we've become so rude on a dog psychology. We see a dog, we want to go hug them. I'm like, dude, my dog's going to kill you. Get out of here. And I need a prong collar or an e-collar to redirect my dog because they're 150 pounds. And they want to eat somebody. I need that stuff, right? So I usually typically use tools at this point just to help me out with the public. But moving forward, I'll never use equipment on a dog that they don't know what it is, <clears throat> ever. If I tell a dog to sit and they don't know what sit is, I am not going to correct them. I am not going to use a, a, an e-collar or a prong collar as an aversive. If I tell my dog to come and they have an e-collar on, I am not going to correct my dog with that e-collar and turn my levels up. I'm not. The levels that I have, again, are the levels that you can put to your face and you wouldn't feel. I cannot use equipment, and I cannot stress enough how important it is to make sure that you cannot correct or punish anything for something they don't know what they've done or something that they know they haven't done wrong, right? So if you tell a kid to go get jacks, and then you start saying, okay, I'm taking away your iPhone, and they're screaming like, what's jacks, what's jacks, what's jacks, and they have no idea what it is, you can't keep punishing them for that. It's not fair. And if you do, then shame on you. It's not fair. It's not the way life should work. So that's one thing about tools that I think is, is, is poorly used is free shape the dog with food and motivation to get them to do the stuff that you want and teach them wrong from right first. You can't correct a dog if they don't know it's wrong or right. And if you do, you're wrong. So that's the first thing. Is you? I don't use tools to just like do all this stuff to like force dogs and to submit dogs at all. Like the dogs that I work on, tools you can watch. They're not. They're not upset. They're not stressed. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that like if I slide my e collar off the table right now, my dog's gonna freak out. Like get excited. That's the way e collar should be. That's the way prong collar should be. And so moving forward, um, when you get a fearful dog, you don't want to use tools on them cuz it's going to make them more fearful cuz now they're under pressure and now they're uncomfortable. You want to get the dog to a state of mind that they can work in. It's just like a kid. It's like a kid sitting there in their parking lot ready to go into school for the first time and they're shaking and they're peeing their pants literally and they're screaming and their mom blah blah blah. You're not going to go out and hand them homework, are you? No. You're going to go out and say, "Hey buddy, like let's go inside. This is going to be great." Uh, let's go get a bagel and, uh, you know, meet some of the teachers and some orange juice and play with Barney or whatever the kids do these days. And like, you're going to make it fun. And then once the kid is like actively like socialized and having fun and not showing signs of stress, then you're going to say, okay, but let's, let's do, let's do a little bit of work. Okay. That's, that's like step one for me anyway. Um, so I'll never use tools on dogs who are, in that state of mind and i'll never use tools and dogs if they don't know what it is i have to teach them these things first using motivation and force-free positive stuff not purely positive because later when they try to bite my face off it's not going to be purely positive anymore um excuse me so the i'm going to take a sip of water oh this has been fun um so the other the other thing of why you would never so I want to talk about a, a an so I predominantly deal with behavior I predominantly deal with aggressive dogs or I'm doing air quotes for you guys uh, on YouTube you can see me but podcast you can't I'm doing air quotes aggressive dogs um, so let's talk about a dog that is. Um, sometimes like neurologically challenged and they actually want to go hurt another dog. Like they see a dog and they go red zone immediately and they get so hyped up and they get so jacked up and they want to go, go, go. I'm never going to physically correct a dog with a prong collar at that moment because it makes it physical, right? So they are literally like, they have an issue, they have a personal issue with that other dog or that other person that they feel like they need to go. They're scratching to get to the person or the dog, they're, they're growling, they're barking, uh, they're in red zone. Now, paint a picture, okay? I'm a person who has used prong collars and e-collars, you know, a lot. And if you see a dog that is like that, then you would say that dog trainer is going to be not successful or that dog trainer is going to do X, Y, and Z because that, and that's what I'm saying is like, no, of course, like people like you should never, like uh, shelters do this a lot. Um, Dog trainers in shelters do this a lot too. They say we could never, we could never use tools on this dog. It's going to freak him out. No shit. Thank you. Not my first rodeo. I'm not going to do that. Like a dog that's actively trying to hurt everything in their path, I'm not going to physically correct because guess what they're going to do? They're going to redirect. They're going to come after me. Thank you. I appreciate the advice. Right? So that's obvious to people who know the behavior and the effects of tools. So that's the step two or three or whatever the hell we were on. Um, But, yeah, obviously I'm not going to physically correct a dog that physically wants to hurt somebody because they're going to redirect, and I don't care who you are. So of course, like, and that's where people, that's where like the, 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 the bad rep gets in is people are like, they're going to, you know, I I dealt with that with the shelter myself personally is, uh, you know, they would be reluctant to send dogs to me that I could 100% save their life with, but they were like, Oh, he, we can't send this dog to him. He's going to use tools. I'm like, wait a minute how do you know that? I never know if I'm going to use tools or not. Like how would you, how would you call somebody and say, Hey, I have a, I have a, I have a sound coming from my hood and I know you're going to use uh, this type of tool on it. So I can't bring my Chuck to you. Cause I don't like that kind of tool. It's like, how do you know what I'm going to use? And how do you know the problem? You don't, that's why the dog is, or that's why they, the. anyway, the maintenance issues of the dog are failing, which is why the dog is in that position anyway. So it's like a lose, lose, like, the dog is in this position. We can't help it. And you may be able to help, it, but we don't want you to even try because it's going to be blah, blah, blah. It's like, geez, you know, Then that's why I don't deal with shelters anymore. Moving forward, um, and so these types of things are the, the difference between good and bad dog training is, um, yes, I use tools. Yes, many other great dog trainers use tools, but we're not going to use them with every dog. We don't need to. I have a lot of tools in my toolbox For every dog that comes into my facility. And if I didn't, dogs would be walking away and owners would be walking away very frustrated. Well, that guy can't help me, then who can? Or that girl can't help me, then who can? Right? So the more tools you have in the box that you work with with dogs on a daily basis, the more stuff you can get done. Period. So... You know, using an e-collar, like I've done a lot of behavior modification with dogs who have severe, like reactivity issues, typically bigger dogs. Um, and there's a function on the e-collar that is literally just a vibrate. Literally, that's all it does. Like your phone, it's all it does. I've literally used that to correct a dog, and it's fixed so many dogs. Are you going to freak the dog out? It's going to think it's this, that, yeah, sure, if it's used wrong. Of course it is. Like, that's, that's the thing we don't understand is, like, these tools are, like, $250, like, quality stuff. This isn't, like, you can't go buy a $30 e-collar and get a lot of good work done with it. And when we talk about tools, people are like, oh, you use a shot collar?" I'm like, no, I don't. I don't even know what that is. I've never seen one. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, I'm a liar and all this stuff. It's like, no, I, I, don't use, I use e-collars to reach out and, t- and touch a dog from a distance. That's all I want. It's like, well, the the collar has 130 levels. I'm like, so does my car. (laughs) I don't go everywhere 130 miles per hour. Duh. Right? We just got to start to think. We have to think more clearly and and realistically about what we're doing. And I urge people out there to take a deep breath, take a step back, and go, you know what? Tools might be beneficial to, to some of my clients. And tools may not be as bad as what people think they are. Right. Like and the other thing is, is I've had I've had one people I've had multiple people like it's banned in so many countries. I'm pretty sure like India just gave women the permission to drive a car. <laughs> like human trafficking goes under the radar and some governments, they turn their head to it in some countries, some countries, they eat dogs. You can't sit there and tell me because certain countries ban something that it's entirely wrong for the universe. That's B.S. It's one-sided. That's my problem with with a lot of the dog industry people is it's like we we jump on boats really quick and we use all this information really, really quickly to say this, 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 this. Look at what about all these. Why don't you just think about it? I'm talking real shit right now. Like I I honestly want to help as many dogs as I possibly can and I want to help people and I want to help the people that want to help the dogs because then we can multiply and, and make the world a better place. Like if you actually wanted to help dogs, pull your head out of your ass and stop blaming everybody for your insecurities about why you don't want to use certain things. It's because you don't know how. And it it, it makes you afraid. Like I've had certain daycares locally like not even let equipment into the facility. It's like, okay, okay. Like what? Like put your put your ego and put your put your views away a little bit and say, you know what? If we didn't use this equipment, that dog would have died. How about that? Do you love that dog? Yes. Do you want it dead? Obviously not. Well, then why don't you understand that that little pager, that little vibrate, the same one that's on your phone, can go to my dog a half a mile away, so they don't get hit by a car again. So I can get their attention, right? Like you, do you use Wi-Fi? Yeah. Okay. So do I for my dog, right? Like, we're not. We we gotta we gotta take a step forward. Anyway. Um, I think I'm done ranting for today. This is about an hour and 10 minutes. I want to personally just say, if you don't agree with anything, that's totally fine. I respect you. I love you for listening to this. I appreciate your, your time, your valuable time. Um, if, if I've done something in your mind and I've helped you look at things differently, send me, send me a DM or send me an email, um, at Tom Davis on Instagram. And, you know, tell me about, what this has done for you or tell me what you agree with and what you don't agree with so I can I can get better. I want to learn something new every day. Um, so um, I that's it. That's all I got for today, guys. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Wherever you're at, uh, if you're driving, if you're hiking, camping, doing the dishes somewhere in a shitty Applebee's on a Tuesday, I appreciate you guys so much. And like I said, if we can actively work together, we can save a lot of dogs and we can help a lot of dog people. So... I appreciate you guys time so much and um, like subscribe to my YouTube channel. uh, America's canine educator. No, I'm sorry. YouTube slash America's canine ed. I have a lot of videos up there. This is my podcast, the no bad dogs podcast. Don't forget to, to like and rate as well. I know people are like, why do you say that all the time? It's because the more people do that, the more people that I can reach, which means the more dogs I can save. So that's why I do that. So, Um, If you like this, let me know about it. Direct message me on Instagram at Tom Davis or send me an email, caninetom at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much. Have a good day, and I will talk to you next time. Peace. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.